Worship leaders and those who love to worship. Does worship have an opposite? Let's talk about it. Welcome to Blueprint Sounds. My name is Nathan Smith. Thanks for joining me. Today we're going to be talking about worship and what the opposite of worship is according to the Bible. But first, I want to give you something. If you go to my website, blueprintsounds.com, you can get my free PDF, 25 Chart Topping Arrangement Tricks. It gives you 25 great ideas of how you can take a song that is okay but needs a little bit of help, 25 tricks on how to make it more interesting, how to keep people's attention throughout the entire song. It gives you a couple of sentences about why the trick works, and then it gives you a song from the radio that you can listen to that exemplifies the trick. Again, it's blueprintsounds.com forward slash 25 tricks. You can click on the link nearby and get access to it. All right, without any further ado, let's get to today's topic, which is worship and its opposite. So last week, we talked about what the definition of worship is, because there's a lot of definitions floating around. But if you go back to Hebrew, if you go back to the original language where we first see the word worship, it has a very simple but a very powerful definition, and that is to bow. For the full explanation, go back and watch last week's video, What is Worship? But there are two words in Hebrew that are translated most often worship. They are shaka and segid. Shaka means to bow, to humble, or to depress. And segid means to fall down. So the same idea comes through in both words, to fall down or to bow. But is there an opposite to worship? And what is it? Well, that's what we're going to talk about today. We're going to start in Exodus. Moses is on top of Mount Sinai speaking to God, and God is giving him the Ten Commandments and the law and how the nation of Israel should live, because up until this point, they've been in captivity. They've never been a nation before. But we pick it up in chapter 32, verse 7, and things go haywire. Then the Lord spoke to Moses, Go down at once, for your people whom you brought up from the land of Egypt have corrupted themselves. They have quickly turned aside from the way which I commanded them. They have made for themselves a molten calf and have worshipped it and made and have sacrificed to it and said, This is your God, O Israel, who brought you up from the land of Egypt. Here's the part that we're going to look at. The Lord said to Moses, I have seen this people, and behold, they are an obstinate people. Now then, let me alone that my anger may burn against them and that I may destroy them, and I will make of you a great nation." So that word that gets translated obstinate in my Bible is two words in Hebrew, kashe oref. Kashe means stiff, dense, tough, or hard. And oref means the nape or the back of the neck. So literally, the image that you get is a stiff-necked person. And, And in some translations, that's exactly what it says. God tells Moses, this is a stiff necked generation. So to be stiff-necked is the opposite of worship, and I can prove it. Let's jump to the Psalms. Here we are in Psalm 95. The whole Psalm is an invitation to worship. We can see at verse 1, O come, let us sing for joy to the Lord. Let us shout joyfully to the rock of our salvation. But I'm going to jump ahead to verse 6. Come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord our Maker. We'll pause right there. Let us worship, that word is shaka, which means to bow. And bow down, well, that word is kara, which means to bend the knee. 
Let us kneel before the Lord our Maker. That word kneel is barak, which means to bow and to bless. So three times it's pretty clear what we are invited to do. This is what we should do. Worship, bow down, and kneel before the Lord our Maker. Let's keep going. For he is our God, and we are the people of his pasture, and the sheep of his hand. Today, if you would hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. Harden, that word is kasheh, like we read about in Exodus. Do not harden your hearts as at Meribah, and as in the day of Massa in the wilderness when your fathers tested me. They tried me, though they had seen my work. For forty years I loathed that generation, and said, They are a people who err in their heart, and they do not know my ways. Therefore I swore in my anger, Truly they shall not enter my rest. That whole psalm is talking about that same generation that we read about in Exodus. The same generation that God said to Moses were stiff-necked. Here in Psalm 95, the author calls them stiff, kasheh, hard-hearted. Same exact thing. And the Lord did make them wander in the wilderness for 40 years until that generation had died and a new generation came up. So there in scripture, we have a very clear contrast. Do this, do bow. And he says it three times in different ways. Do shaka and do not kasheh, be stiff in your heart or in your neck. So what does that look like for us today? When are we stiff-necked? Well, we're stiff-necked when we are corrected and we don't like it. Take this as an example. I'm playing soccer and I'm on defense and somebody passes the ball back to me to pass to somebody else. Well, I'm not paying attention and I, and I mess up and the ball goes past my legs and into the goal. How do I respond? In that moment, there's a couple things I could do. I could whip my head around and shrug my shoulders up and turn my hands up and say, what was that? What are you doing? That was a terrible pass. Well, what does that do? It stiffens your neck, right? You can feel it. Whether it's that response, maybe you cross your arms and you shrug your shoulder, you know, you, you roll your eyes, all of those things that make us think of teenagers. Those things all do the same thing to your neck. It stiffens it. And it's a bodily way of telling somebody, along with your words, I do not accept responsibility for my actions. What I just did, that was not my fault. That's being stiff-necked. And that's exactly what the Bible says is the opposite of worship. Well, what's the other way that I could handle that situation? So the ball goes between my legs, it goes into the goal. We all know what this is. You bow your head, you pat your chest, you say, my bad. Everybody knows, yeah, you messed up. You're the one who let the team down. That is the opposite. You have to have a soft neck to bow your head. A soft neck bows. A stiff neck doesn't bow. And that, in essence, is the difference between worship and its opposite. Let's take two examples from Scripture. King Saul is told by God to defeat the Amalekites, and he's not told just to defeat them. He's told to wipe them out down to the livestock because the Amalekites had been picking off the weakest of Israel when they came out of Egypt and were passing into Canaan. And so God had a grudge against the Amalekites that needed to be taken care of. He said, I remembered their sin. Their sin was great. Wipe them out, Saul. Saul didn't do it. Saul kept the king. He captured the king rather than killing him. And he kept the best of the livestock because his men really wanted it. 
Well, Samuel the prophet shows up and sees what Saul has done, and he confronts him on it. And Saul says, but I did follow the Lord's orders, right? I captured the king, and here I've made sacrifices with these livestock to the Lord. And Samuel is not impressed, and he says, the Lord has stripped the kingdom from you and given it to a better man. Well, who was that better man? It was King David. Except that King David, and God knew this was going to happen, sinned greatly with Bathsheba. He was in his palace when he should have been out with the king, with uh, his men at war. He sees Bathsheba from the rooftop. He has an affair with her. He tries to cover it up that she's pregnant to the point where he ends up having Uriah, Bathsheba's husband, killed in battle. He coveted, he committed adultery, and he committed murder in a very short span of time. Well, another prophet, Nathan, comes and confronts David about his sin. And David's response is, I have sinned against the Lord. And in those two stories, you see the perfect contrast between what bowing, what worship is like, and what being stiff-necked is like. Saul was confronted about his sin, and he tried to blame shift. He tried to blame his men for what happened. He every, it was everybody's problem but him. He was stiff-necked. David, when confronted with his sin, you can almost see his countenance fall, and all he says is, I have sinned against the Lord. He accepted correction. Saul did not accept correction, and that revealed the heart of David as compared with the heart of Saul. That's why God called David a man after his own heart, despite his great sin. And we all know that David was quite the worshiper. So what's the takeaway for us today? Well, First of all, if you want to know how your worship life is going, don't think about the last time you sang in church. You know, if you played your guitar, if you sang on stage, or if you were in the congregation, when it was easy. Think about a time in the last month where you have been corrected by your spouse, a coworker, your boss, your kids, whoever it is. And then check in with your neck. What happened? Did your neck, did my neck get stiff or did it get soft? And that tells you everything you need to know about your worship life. Secondly, as we talked about last week, the word worship leader does not appear in scripture, and that's okay. We sort of made the position up. But according to the biblical definition and the opposite being stiff-necked, if you're a worship leader, then what you're saying is, I want to be first in line to bow and accept correction humbly. What a thought. Hey, I hope that episode helps you. And if you need help arranging your worship team, go to blueprintsounds.com forward slash 25 tricks. Until next time, God bless and goodbye.